selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. You know, <laughs> okay, it's actually just so funny because what I love about Shopify is no matter how huge and massive you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control, yes, daddy, and take your business to the next level because we're business women. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash book club. That's shopify.com slash book club, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash book club. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Who's that knocking at the door? It's all your friends, you filthy whore. Your husband's gone, and we've got books and a bottle of wine to kill. It's Hollywood. It's books. It's gossip. I'm shook. It's memoirs. It's martinis. It's Studio 54. It's Celebrity Book Club. Come read it while it's hot. Celebrity Book Club. Tell your secrets. We won't talk Celebrity Book Club No boys are allowed Celebrity Book Club Say it loud and proud Celebrity Book Club Buzz me in, I brought the Cuervo Hey, best, best friend. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. How are you? Ooh, I'm doing well. I'm easing into this dry January, like many of us. So, listeners, recording is crazy and... You guys just know we haven't recorded in a week and a half, and this is actually our first week back in January. This is our first episode recorded in 2024, so yeah. a lot's changed. We've been into a lot of different places. We've been in a lot of places spiritually, emotionally. I am on day three of my dry January. Yeah, I'm on day three, too. And I will be ending my dry January in a week, so I'm doing a, what we're calling the dry 11. You're doing the dry 11 because as a cutoff for when you're going to go to Puerto Rico because you felt cold. <laughs> well, when you feel cold, book tickets. I honestly was just <laughs> laughing about that to myself today. One of the funniest things you've ever said. I booked a trip to Puerto Rico because I felt cold. 
I think I'm also going to do the dry 11 and my cutoff is not a trip to Puerto Rico. It's I just got tickets to a production of Mean Girls, but in Rockaway. <laughs> it's an off, <laughs> off, 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 Broadway. off Broadway. Of mean Girls Musical. Off, yeah, Mean Girls Musical. Fun. So super regional. Yeah, super regional. <laughs> so that's the same weekend you're going to be in Puerto but obviously, Rico. Obviously, you're not going to Mean Girls the Musical in Rockaway without drinking. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Our dear friend Ellen, who accused us of not mentioning her on the pod challenged me to a different sort of dry January and it's something that's called the Italian challenge where I'm not allowed to eat Italian food until I visit her in Providence <laughs> but but I was like well what about like a stunning Italian grilled fish and she said that was allowed so it's basically like not Italian American what is Italian grilled fish is olive oil yeah I'll just share this and then we'll get into the book the fish I made for the seven fishes I stuffed it with a stunning caper butter that I made and then my sister made like an herb vinaigrette of like dill and chives and olive oil and red wine vinegar. The caper butter was was stuffed butter, in butter, capers, capers sea parsley, salt, sea parsley. salt, mm. black pepper. Mm. And then that was stuffed inside of the gills. Did you chop the capers or oh, were they yeah. whole? It was a rough chop of mm. capers. Yeah. Rustic. Anyway, I presented the fish on a bed of arugula. Then my, I was kind of like, wait, are we all just going to kind of like pick at it? And then my girlfriend's mother actually did like a crazy kind of like very cat-like move where she did something and then slid the entire scales out. Oh, Garfield style. Really Garfield (laughs) style in like a matter of seconds. And I don't really know how she did it. Well, she did that from decades of experience being a cookbook editor. In the food and beverage industry. For the most important chefs on television. Yeah. So Pay for the Patreon to find out. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of television... And someone speaking who of television, hates it. speaking of film, <laughs> <laughs> someone who doesn't deign to go on television. No, because he's an actor's actor. Randomly, he's an actor's actor. Even yeah. though I feel like his reputation is kind of like not that prestigious. I know, but at the end of the book, I was like, "You are prestigious." I mean, people do think of him as like kind of meta and in on the joke, and I think that gives him a sort of arty flair. I do kind of put him in a Robert Downey Jr. Same category, and of course, he has quite an affinity for Robert, as he mentions in this. Yeah, I consider him in the Tom Cruise Robert Downey Jr. But more Robert Downey Jr. Let's definitely not Tom Cruise is the most self serious person alive. I'm in that era, though. The generation of leading men. Yes, generation of leading men, absolutely. You know him from Top Gun. You also know him from The Doors film by Oliver Stone. <laughs> <laughs> you know him as one of many leading men who has played Batman over the years. You know him as quite a romantic as well. He's got a luscious set of lips. DSLs. and Deep eyes. Yeah, and an interesting name. A name that some people might say is a woman's name. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about, of course, none other than heartthrob of the 90s, Val Val Kilmer, and his somewhat recent memoir, Yes, I'm Your Huckleberry, which is a reference to a role that he played, but also to one of his favorite characters of literature, Huckleberry Finn. And his love of Mark Twain. And as you'll see, his sort of love of American mythology and masculinity and where those intersect. Mm. And of course, yes. the American West, right? And the sort of both the tragedy and the dream and how much that's wrapped up in cinema, of course. Oh, I mean, American cinema. Yes. What is it without 
the false narrative mm-hmm. of the American West. Big John Wayne right. coming and, and the, saving. The follies of believing that you as a man can conquer nature, right? That you as a man are good despite the violence required for the conquering. And yet the endless, endless hope that that landscape offers. It's the American West, baby. Yeah. California. It goes on and on and on. And of course, you know, the boyish curiosity, right? And that kind of devil oh, may care attitude. Grab a gun. Right. Shoot him up. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's this great line in the book where Marlon Brando says to him, you gotta make a Western. <laughs> and Val's like, why? And then Marlon Brando says, oh, you know why. <laughs> And by the way, in this, um, when he says this, Marlon Brando has his face painted white and is wearing a huge moo-moo. We could just maybe jump to that scene. So obviously Val Kilmer, as an actor's actor who went to Juilliard, really idolizes Marlon Brando. Was obsessed with Marlon Brando, as I was as a young child. I mean, and Marlon Brando, you know, who was one of the greatest actors of his generation, for the generation before. And he finally meets Marlon Brando. And at so this Marlon point, Brando, Marlon is already old and fat. And Marlon Brando maybe has summoned him after seeing him in the doors. In biopic, the doors, which you just watched, and I want to hear about. Yeah, I watched the Saint. That was my homework, which is incredible. Okay, so <laughs> the door opened, and Marlon slowly walked through. His face was covered with makeup. It was as though he were in white face. He wore a white muumu that covered his enormous frame. He was as big as a grand piano. <laughs> He was as big as Orson Welles. He sat in an oversized easy chair. <laughs> I mean, I really mean, obsessed with describing someone as big as a grand piano. <laughs> as big as a grand piano. I know you didn't watch The Simpsons, but there's an episode where Homer like becomes 300 pounds to get on disability, and he <laughs> starts wearing a muumuu, and I just couldn't think of that. I'm just like, the white face, this full like kabuki makeup. No, the kabuki <laughs> thing is insane. Well, it's often because I was recently reading, which he talks about the tragedy of Marlon's life. Mm. And when they filmed him and Val film the island of Dr. Moreau, which mm. I remember coming out and being such a like 90s epic that I think like failed, which he talks about it mm. failing. And it was like such a big budget, like Nicole, Kidman, Merlin, Brando. And, yeah. like, everyone went mad on set is that Marlon Brando's son killed his daughter's boyfriend. In real life? In real life. Because the daughter told her brother that her boyfriend was abusing her. Oh, wow. And then he concocted this, like, crazy plan and, like, murdered the boyfriend and then, like, went to jail for a very long time. And then I think, like, the daughter also had, like, mental illness and then she was, like, called into question what happened and then it was just like he went to jail and then I think the daughter ended up, you know, becoming an alcoholic. It's very dark. You know, I think with your Marlon Brando's kids, it's hard to be normal. Well, and he had a lot of kids, too. Oh, yeah. There's a one point Val's like, I don't even know how. He just kept having them. And he was like, I kind of wanted to Google, but I don't use Google. I don't Google, man. <laughs> I almost never Google people. I would like to live learning the old-fashioned way, if that's even possible. I don't know what I'm intending by that comment. Life is moving so exponentially fast, it's just about impossible to imagine those 30 years ago when I first met Marlon. That time just before this heart-stopping, heart-stomping technological era we can never undo. Certainly it is possible to just not respond to texts or emails, but 
I admit when my iPhone's out of reach, I start to get a little antsy in a way that I know from playing so many addicts is a physical feeling very close to chemical dependence. So, of course, this sort of references the other sort of main vibe of this entire book is just like straight guy who has read Bukowski and Kerouac. I really was not ready for like kind of how carrying of a like thinking man Val Kilmer was going to be. Yeah. And that like he's also a Christian scientist. So. And he's always <laughs> like being like the teachings of Mary Eddie Baker teach you faith. And I leaned on my faith when I dumped Sadiq Crawford. <laughs> I mean, Mary Baker Eddie <laughs> is just kind of the central figure of this book. He talks about wanting to make a movie about her life with Kate Blanchett, which I would watch in a heartbeat. Yes. You know, I used to subscribe to the Dead Tree of yes. Christian Shine's Monitor. And which... I was always so shocked because I grew up. And you just believe what your parents say. And, you know, my parents in the medical field, they're like Christian scientists. They don't believe in going to the doctor. That's what my parents told me, too, about Christian scientists. And I was taught to believe that those people were kooky and crazy. Right. And they didn't believe in the Enlightenment like our parents did. <laughs> Brigham and women's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> MGH. But then the way we become Christian scientists, the way he talks about their teachings, I mean, which is very just like insane Christian person. He's like, it's about care mm. and learning. And just sort of lifelong learning. So not to pry, but why did you subscribe to the Christian Science Monitor? Great reporting. <laughs> <laughs> just, On global activities. Lily, it's called solid gumshoe journalism. <laughs> the kind you don't see anymore. Walking around with a pad. Well, listen, it's not a corporate-owned entity. So I they mean, can say what they want. Yeah, and even less so than necessarily the political, you know, expediencies of having to not be able to say what you want. It, it's more like they don't have to adhere to the same commercial oh. obligations. Hello, New York Times. Right, New York Times. Us. Wall Street Journal, which got bought by Murdoch, you know, when we were in college, I remember. And I and I saw it noticeably go downhill. I saw the yeah. change. You know, the articles get shorter. It's more infotainment. I'm sorry. Playboy. Used to have amazing they, articles. They literally, it was a joke, but I bought a Playboy of um, Shannon Simmons, Tweed Simmons. Yes. Alum of the pod. Shannon Tweet, yes. So many articles. Right. Jam-packed. Yeah. And you can not, hardly find a titty in the mag. Right. And not just being like, oh, here's like a 400-word blurb about like, you know, a new hip-hop singer. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> One of the memoirs that Val Kilmer recommends is 50 Cent's book. He, he says... Yeah, it's, he says, it's one of the memoir. best sort of entertainment memoirs. And we haven't even read that. No. We haven't. It's been on the list for <laughs> and a they while. Worked together in two films. But so, yes, I think Christian scientists, you know, I think the church does have a love of knowledge. And it doesn't seem like he's anti medicine, per se. No. Because he does go to the hospital at the very beginning of the book when he's like recovering. So, famously, Val Kilmer like, has been in the news the past few years because he fully lost his voice. Yeah. And then he got throat cancer. I mean, it turned out to be because of throat cancer. And who said, come into my home and stay with me? None other than his ex-girlfriend and best friend, Cher. Cher. <laughs> and him and Cher just shared a really beautiful intellectual connection. It was passionate and sexual. And almost every chapter, he's just like, you guys don't even know how funny Cher is. Well, because they're at some like restaurant in Manhattan it's the 80s or whatever, like when he's starting to become famous. And like somebody comes up to him and they're just like, Cher would like to dine with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he's just like, I don't think we'd have anything in common. Well, he's already being so film school actor yeah. guy, being so like, what, this pop singer? What would right. we have to talk he's about? He's being so like, uh, excuse me, I already killed my TV. 
He's being so my high school. He's being so I read on the road and it's my entire personality. But then he meets her and she's actually whip smart in a hoot and a half. And they talk about everything. Bob Dylan, Dylan Thomas. (laughs) (laughs) Music, religion, real estate. (laughs) And then he'll just be like, I don't know even know when we broke up. We just moved on from each other. But we stayed closer than ever. Which I do think is an indictment of a lot of his, because he's such a romantic in this book. Oh, what? A romantic. No, it was the word you said before that. Indicament. <laughs> <laughs> correct me. No, I'm not correcting you. I was just was curious how you were saying it. <laughs> and different dialects of English are very interesting. Sicilian has a whole different <laughs> dialect, I'll have you know. Okay, the part where I first like realized, I was like, oh, this is going to be this kind of caring book where you're like so sort of enamored with this like... The world and the West and women and... Women and just having this like very like carrying <laughs> mythology... That is, you know, very spiritually minded and influenced with the church. He goes, they say your hometown shapes you. And it's just like, well. Obviously. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of like, you don't need to attribute that to like some like age old adage that it's just like, you know, they say your hometown shapes you. It's just like. Yeah, I mean, you are sort of a product of the circumstances in which you are raised. What makes him also so clear TV is he grew up in the valley. but In Chatsworth, where my aunt lives and my cousin. That makes so much sense. And it is so by the hills where it's so tumbleweeds and it's so desolate and cultureless and sad and weird and flat over there. And I can't, I mean, I'm sure it was like full desert back then, but like. It's tumbleweeds on like one strip mall. I mean, there's definitely like a lot of strip malls and just, you know, there's like so many little like whatever like there's a nail salon there's a dentist but it's i mean you know my aunt and uncle like they're crazy they have a room in their house that's full of mcdonald's toys (laughs) and their names are literally mickey and donald so i always forget the mickey and donald part it's just so crazy i almost can smell the vintage mcdonald's toys like in that room Those stale chick me nuggets. Yeah, coming off of kind of like an 80s hamburglar toy. I'm surprised you can smell in your current state over there. <laughs> anyway, it's very clear TV to be so like, oh, the valley is gross and doesn't understand when these like Paul Thomas Anderson, David Lynch make these films about like kind of the freakiness of the desolate American landscape of California. But he's obsessed with his grandfather who was like this wild west man and he never even met him and he's like this was a real man and he tells this whole story about how like his grandmother and grandfather quote unquote got attacked by Native Americans and a tomahawk he he got a tomahawk to the skull I mean you know who knows how much of this is apocryphal or real but like he then had a metal plate in his skull for the rest of his life and he would get so mad in the winters because the Just, metal was so cold was on his real brain. Cold, and he would steal his father to come with him in the wilderness because the grandmother like left the father, and they would like eat berries and beans. But then, of course, this immediately made me think, okay, but he lived to 101 eating nothing but berries and beans. Okay, so let so me now get back doing, to Sue No, I think it's more of doing, it's the Valcomer grandfather diet. <laughs> <laughs> and it's berries, it's beans, it's hiking. It's tomahawk to the skull. <laughs> but then also Val has this kind of like, I was like, when's the woke moment coming? But it actually becomes not even woke. It becomes way more just like 90s TV show. And he's just kind of like, then once I was at a Comic-Con and a Native American chief came up to me and said, 
what is the point of film? (laughs) (laughs) And then he's like, I actually had a dream where like a different Native American chief like blessed me and like I became an eagle. And then the other guy like nods in ascension. And he's like, at that moment, man, we were flying together. We got it. I'm like, okay, Matthew McConaughey. No, it's very, Matthew McConaughey meets Walker, Texas Ranger. But Well, I do feel like he has this woke moment though because he's being like, when Marlon Brando's like make a Western film, he's just right. like, uh, the West, it's so like, right. you know, the twin flames of, the twin, like, yes. of genocide and also like adventure. Well, and he realizes like, I think a little bit how Killers of the Flower Moon, like his maybe ancestors were because he keeps on calling his grandfather a prospector, which just means you're like stealing land and taking gold. Although it sounds like he was so like prospector in this way where he was like, who's going to prospect no matter what until he lost everything. Like, it doesn't sound like they struck oil and were so rich. It's like... Well, right. Not everyone struck oil. Sometimes you were just... You can be evil and an unsuccessful prospector. Or you're just panning for gold forever and you get, like, one gold and then you, like, gamble I've always imagined your ancestors because you're generationally also from California. Well, my ancestors actually did kill the flower moon. (laughs) As as gold (laughs) diggers. Well, no. On my, like, grandfather's... Somebody was, like, a executive at Standard Oil, like, in the, like, 1890s or something. Oh, so you are, like, an evil Oklahoma. Which is so, <laughs> okay. like, evil. <laughs> wow, okay. So that's something you have to reckon with. Yeah. At the end of the day, <laughs> <laughs> like, we're all doing whatever we can. No, absolutely. And I'm going to Puerto Rico, and I'm going to give back by, like, helping <laughs> <Yes>. turtles hatch. <laughs> oh, yes. Celebrity Book Club. It was that summer. That summer, I started using Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth makes elevated loungewear and amazing, luxurious, soft bedding that surpasses even the finest hotel sheets for a restful night's sleep on your travels or at home. I love Cozy Earth so much that I got it as a present for my spouse. And the things that happened on that bed, you wouldn't believe it. I got their joggers and oh my God, it almost feels like you're nude, better than nude. It feels like you're swimming in the most luxurious ocean. So stay cool and comfy during long flights with Cozy Earth's temperature-regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew, adding mm, a touch of style to your travel ensemble. Discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code CBC at checkout to get 35% off. And let them know we sent you after checkout, okay? It's almost here. The Knicks anniversary sale starts this Thursday, May 9th at KNIX.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of Knicks' biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. So mark your calendar this Thursday, May 9th for the NYX anniversary sale. Get 30% off all leak-proof underwear, shapewear, activewear, and more. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X dot com. Don't miss this. Selling a little... 
or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling scented coffins or outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. You know, (laughs) okay, it's actually just so funny because what I love about Shopify is no matter how huge and massive you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control. Yes, daddy. And take your business to the next level because we're business women. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. I'm talking Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklyn, and all your favorite DTC brands. Do you want to be a Brooklyn in business? Or do you want to be the sad girl selling candles on the subway? Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash book club. That's shopify.com slash book club, all lowercase. If you do it uppercase, it won't work. Just like your sales if you don't use Shopify. Shopify.com slash book club. So I watched The Doors last night, which is right. Valcom which playing Jim, Jim Morrison. Who he does say in the book that he thinks he got too good at playing Jim Morrison. No. That the like producer for The Doors like broke down crying because like Valcomer was saying stuff that like only Jim Morrison had ever said. You he could was so tell in, character. in that movie it was like a method to the boots, which is why honestly this movie is so like it's good, but it's also so funny because it's Meg Ryan on heroin <laughs> <laughs> in like circular sunglasses and a beret being like, man, Jimmy, I need another hit. Okay, so she is being Jenna Maroney as Jackie Jorpjomp. <laughs> yes. And he's in like leather pants being like, I'm the lizard guy. King. <laughs> and then he's like, things were strange. And he's singing the whole time. And he sent a tape of him singing and the doors to Oliver Stone. Oh, right. And then they couldn't tell the they difference, couldn't. man. That's how fucking in character he was. <laughs> it's crazy. There is like a real absolute like comfortable in his heterosexuality gayness to Val where he is just so over the top and campy. He is one of our campiest straight male actors and is so comfy with it. And like, I think that shines through in every role. And it actually like, there's a real funness to that. And I can imagine seeing him in a Shakespearean play. So like, you know, he went to Juilliard and he really fell in love with the theater before he fell in love with film. And I think it probably would have been really fun to see him play Hamlet at the Denver Community Playhouse, which he talks about. He like finally does Hamlet and he does it in Denver because he like didn't want the national pension on him. And I'm like, I bet he tore. No, and he's like, I trained 10 years for this. I mean, he is such a true heterosexual man. He makes friends with this gay guy towards the end of the book. Oh, who's gay as a pink hair net? <laughs> yeah, and who's like a Republican. And he gets like mad at him for like making fun of him being straight, which is so like straight guy. And he's like, hey, man, I would never, never make jokes about you being gay. Right. <laughs> so yeah. why would you make jokes about me being a strong, passionate, heterosexual man? And the gay guy is just like, honey, I'm gay as a pink hair I'll make jokes <laughs> yeah. about myself. And he's like, then he gets even more serious. And he's like, but that's you making light of yourself. Why? Right. And then he's like, and from that moment on, we understood each other even more deeply. And our love grew <laughs> even <laughs> deeper. And I would always call him when I had a problem. And mm. then he died at 54, which is oh. just so gay guy. I know. <laughs> Ugh, I had a full panic attack when I read that page. <laughs> it was just like, 
how do I avoid being just like a witty, a witty gay, a guy witty who gay guy who dies at fifty? I think we know it's to become an unsuccessful prospector who eats beans and berries. I need to go on the bean and berry diet and move to New Mexico. Yeah, stat. And you know, I love the New Mexican landscape of someone who lived there working in politics. You did reading the Christian Science Monitor, and I've always wanted to go to New Mexico. It's gorgeous. It, honestly, it looks like the moon. I mean, mm. it, it's just, the colors are so vivid. The purple of the sunsets, the red of the dirt. And it goes on in every direction. Ugh. You know, when Val finally meets his ex-wife. Joanne Wally. Who's British. the mother of his children and British. They move to this like beautiful ranch in New Mexico. Mm. And he literally says this to me. He goes, I was buying acres of land in New Mexico like they were vintage t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> and then, of course, he does get into financial trouble later. Right, where he has to sell. But this is also so, like, passionate heterosexual man of him when he talks about they have this deal, which I do think is kind of smart for Hollywood couples because he says about Hollywood romances, he's like, our main thing is careers. No matter how much you love someone, mm-hmm. it's it's role first. Right. So basically they would, his wife, yeah. they would never take another role while someone else was in a movie. They plan to be together for each film but then but of course she gets a role yeah and it's an amazing role and it's while he's filming the doors and he's like don't go and then like she does go and he was like that was the beginning to the end but then they have two kids and then they make the bad decision to get divorced in new mexico instead of california california has no fault divorce they split the assets 50 50 as we all know from people magazine for the past 20 years (laughs) but in new mexico it's like you divide the assets like based on the whole time together and the whole time while you're divorcing yeah it's like you have to find the date of separation and what you made so then it's like really in the interest of the lawyers to keep the drag out the divorce the divorce drags out for years and at one point he's just like we could be giving all this money to our kids right, one day and now we're burning and giving it to all the lawyers. Anyway, the moral of the story is get divorced in California. He says this thing about childbirth, which I was like, it's just so actor, where he was like, I think he was a little jealous of how mm, the maybe pain, this, the pain the experience, and the labor, the ecstasy, all that goes in. And he was like, when my wife gave birth, I asked for a bed and they said, no one's ever asked for that before. <laughs> and he was like, I'm still striving to be the best father I can be. But like he mm. couldn't give birth, the jealousy, the yeah. one thing a man can't do. Yeah. Makes you think. Makes you really, <laughs> really but think. But also made me think. Things I have literally zero desire to do. <laughs> Push a fucking child out. Naturally. Huh? I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> What would it do to your hips? Also, the whole thing. I mean, every time I see like a pregnant friend, I'm always just like, it's so weird. What's going on in there? <laughs> it's crazy. Like, I feel gross after like eating too much. Like, I hate feeling like so bloated. I'm just like to have a like. I think you feel hungrier though. You feel pounds less inside of you bloated, sloshing around. I have around. no idea. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Also, <laughs> <laughs> okay, we could back it up for a second. Yes, to his childhood. So his parents are. They're kind of there. They're kind of not. The mom is like a little bit distant. Mom not suffer from migraines challenge. Seriously. He's like, dad is like a businessman who always had a new Cadillac. But he's like, you know, he never gave a dollar to the boys. Yeah. 
But then he's like, that my dad was paying for my rent of my apartment overlooking Central Park when I was at Juilliard. He's really dramatic about his childhood allowance. He's like, daddy wouldn't even give us three tennis balls if they cost a dollar. But like, he did pay for Juilliard and like, I had a studio in Central Park. And like, (laughs) and he's like. But then like, daddy wouldn't pay for rent, like heat sometimes. And I got hypothermia because I was like shivering in my Central Park apartment. It's kind of like, you're just being dramatic. Like you're being so, it's like, you know, when you see Crest Punks and you're kind of just like, you could just yeah. go home to your like parents' house in like Montecito right now. Right. But you're deciding to do this. And that's fine. And it's a choice. But it's exactly. a little like, you, no, it's kind of like, he sounds queen. just like a dad being like coupon thrifty. Yeah. So something really tragic that defines his life happens where when he is visiting Juilliard with his mom and stepdad. His other brother calls and says the youngest brother has had a seizure in a jacuzzi, which is so Matthew Perry. Yeah. It's literally like the universe is sending us so many signs like stay out of hot tubs. I don't think I'm ever purchasing a hot tub. I don't want the lawsuits. But yeah, so this was like the haunting tragedy that I think did give him this sort of, frankly, the drama that he was looking for. And the pain that he, he needed was, the tragedy. He needed the tragedy to have something to pull from when you're doing the Meisner and the Stanislavski and the rest of it. Because he, you know, he craves drama. He's a ham, as he calls it. No, and I was seeing those photos of him in the book, you know, stretched out, shirtless. Yeah. It was honestly making me want to take an acting class and just be pushed. Pushed to your to the absolute limit. But the whole time he portrays himself as a real Artist. This is where he gets into the actor's actor kind of idea. So, like, he's doing a Burger King commercial when he's like 17 or something. And he walks off the set of the commercial. The main job was to act like I was enjoying gobbling up the burger. Problem was, I wasn't. The thing tasted <laughs> like cardboard. The director kept telling me to put my heart into it. I couldn't. I didn't. I walked off the set and never appeared in the commercial and never got paid. My first act of artistic integrity. That part was <laughs> wild. I mean, I think you have to be, you know, born with that brazen actor's, actor's pretentiousness. To and be I, like, well, the food stylist prop burger wasn't delicious, so you know I'm going to walk off. I it's do like, feel isn't like, it called acting? Uh, I wish that I could do that, but I just feel like that ship has really already sailed for you me. You say that, but then it's like we're always like, yeah, if you like put us in a Hilton ad in Napa, we'd be like there in a That's second. what I'm saying. I'm right. saying the ship has sailed. Yeah. Like I can't convincingly be on a set and be like, fuck this role, man. And then like <laughs> another good one will come along. It's kind of just like, mm, it's over for me, yeah. bitch. Your it's soul's over. been sold. No, your soul is gone. Your soul is gone to Shopify. I've already done ads for a huge casino. <laughs> An amazing app. Um, and then he goes to Juilliard and like he's kind of like cunty to the teachers. And he's just like, my thing at Juilliard was that I was going to do my own thing no matter what. And I'd lie on the stage like before rehearsal. And they'd say, get up, man. And I'd say, I'm just taking my space. But this is actually interesting because in high school, my drama teacher, Mac Limburg, who was one of my big mentors, he always said, like, find some time, you know, before the show goes up in the months Mm. when we're doing rehearsals, find some time to come in here on your own Mm. and just spend a little time. In the space. With the space. I actually thought... And, like, run your fingers along the walls. That's right, because I thought of Mark Lindbergh reading this book because the whole thing is about, like, in high school, he's like, you're going to have that acting teacher that changes your life. Oh, yeah. And Mark Lindbergh, who taught you, famous actor, my sister. Yeah. 
I feel like you guys were so like he was godlike. Yeah, everyone he was. was just like Mark. It was just Mark. It was Mark's world. We were just living in it, sweetheart. He really was. He said one of the most incredible. I mean, he had so many incredible lines. As I remember, one of the one one of them was um, the most exciting thing in theater is the anticipation of touch. Mm, of course, right. So, do you take time a day before Bowery Ballroom? Walking alone. I do actually in this studio. Oh, okay. You come the day before. Yeah, I come in here on Mondays. They have an all hands I heart meeting <laughs> in the other room. And I just kind of I waltz in, I make a little tea. <laughs> I say, Hey guys, it's me. I'm doing my walkthrough. And then I just lie down on top of this huge sound mixer. Start just stroking the <laughs> yeah. buttons, pressing it on, off, off. on, off. <laughs> I fondle all the XLR cables. Uh, I smell them to really know what it smells like. Bite into them. Sometimes I strangle myself with the headphone cord and jack off. <laughs> <laughs> Which is something Val is a little conservative, even though like there are so many sex scenes he's in. He turns down blue velvet. Yes. Because it, he's well, like, it's actually too sexy. No, and he says in it, and this whole thing with David Lynch, he's like, sorry, Dave, hope you give me another chance the other day. And it's like, Blue Velvet, an amazing film, probably more amazing than some of the other random movies he did. I mean, he does admit that Batman Forever is so bad it's good. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, it's kind of yeah. a camp classic. It's kitschy because that one's the one that like Uma Thurman is Poison Ivy. And it's Jim Carrey is Jim the Riddler. Carrey, which is really Wait, fun. that really sad anecdote. Apparently, the filming of that movie was so, like, off and sad because Jim Carrey's dad had just died. Yeah. And at the funeral, one of his own family oh, members came up to him with a headshot sad. asking for an autograph. That was so sad. And then he goes on this really sad thing about, which is also so actor, about, like, how, like, his son doesn't believe that he's Batman. And he has this really, which is, again, being so man, this real philosophical, sorry. <laughs> 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 philosophical whatever philosophical philosophical <laughs> thing about Batman and it's like no one wants to see you be Batman once you become Batman it's like you're yeah. Batman but you're five year old you're actually ruining it if you're like I play Batman yeah like if my kid loves Star Wars I don't think I would accept a role in a Star Wars film yeah I think that's really isn't that so fucking brave of Wait, me sorry you just dropped that really you would not accept a role Murder to the boots, even though I love Star Wars. Wow. Um, I want to talk about this actor's moment between him and another actor of the time in Top Gun. Mm. I don't think Valcom was like known for partying at all, really, but like he's more of the wild one. Yeah. And Tom Cruise would just like learn his lines every single night. And like Val Kilmer would like kind of like take out all the rest of the guys and they would drive around and do wheelies. The description of Tom Cruise is so similar it's, to the description of Tom, I think, in Rob Lowe's, Rob Lowe's book, who yeah. was in The Outsiders with him, which Val Kilmer auditioned for and didn't get or turned out to no, be something turned, else or whatever. And he was like, I think that role went to Rob Lowe or somebody who knows. Tom refrained from revelry with good reason. From day one, he was laser-focused on a singular goal to become the greatest action history hero in history of film. He was up night learning lines. He spent every waking hour perfecting his stunts. His dedication was admirable. And it's very just like, yeah, so Tom Cruise is just an insane machine. Yeah. And it kind of made me think, circling back to his sort of campiness, Right. it's almost like why Tom Cruise became a much more successful action star than Val Kilmer. Because he says the saint, he thinks, paved the way for Mission Impossible. Right, the saint, and which is born incredible, identity. by the way. But, like, the saint is actually so gay, and the characters he plays in it are, like, too fun. 
And I think that like America wants a closeted man like Tom Cruise yes. more than they want a, like, an a, actor's a kind gayish, of luscious. straight guy like Val Kilmer. Like Val Kilmer's sexuality is actually a little bit too at the surface. I think it's more that Val Kilmer was such a heartthrob and such a huge guy in the 90s, but maybe why he is not like carried over to like now is because he's not an action star. He was a little more of this actor's actor heartthrob, but he didn't I go guess full maybe method. I maybe not as physical also yeah. in terms of like the stunts. And like he didn't choose as many like action movies. Yeah. And Tom Cruise is being like, I'm going to learn how to become like a motorcycle driver for like three years just right. to like, do one I'm going to be like, I have to like climb a building. And right. like and Val Kilmer like, is more just like, I'm going to do this movie in England, which he says with like Al Pacino because I just want to act with Al Pacino. Right. Al. Al and Alan Bob. Alan Bob when he does heat with Alan Bob. And he turns down doing like a third Batman and his manager is like, why, man, why? And he's like, because I want to be able to call Alan Bob, Alan, Alan Bob. Bob for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be so me. Just like, yeah, man, I'll do whatever. What up, Al? And he says that Al paints like Pollock. Bob paints oh, like Vermeer. <laughs> that was insane. He's like... Be on set with Bob. It's like Vermeer. He builds blocks. Brick, 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 brick. He's like, at the end, they achieve the same thing. And you're like, oh, which is kind of funny because it's like, same. I'm thinking about Robert De Niro and obviously I love Robert De Niro, but like. You don't think of him as so like methodical? I, I guess he is methodical, but like a lot of the roles are pretty he's similar. Like he's absolutely phoning it in to <laughs> yeah, me. I'm kind of just like, he's just being like. I'm like, analyze that and meet the Fockers. Like, <laughs> it's kind of like similar characters. Wait, are, okay. are you going to read the pa- the yeah, thing from the prank. from Tom? Yeah, so, Top Gun. You know, Tom Cruise, Val. They're not getting along, so he tries to like razz Tom Cruise by doing a prank. My oh. favorite moment between us was a small prank in which I gave him an extremely expensive bottle of champagne, but placed it in the middle of a giant field and made him follow scavenger hunt style clues to find it. I hid behind a bleacher and watched him lug the giant crate to his motorcycle. He never did thank me for the Ice Man style bit. I thought it would break the ice, but I guess the ice was just right. <laughs> so awkward. Just doing a full scavenger hunt to find champagne. champagne. I mean, first of all, I love that idea. No, I'm doing that to you. Please do that On to your me wedding day. for my wedding night. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, obviously, it's like Tom Cruise does not drink. and like, He's not finding like funny that he's just like, okay, here's a crate. But he's also being so dutiful and weird and being like, and I'm putting it on my motorcycle. Yeah, he's definitely being dutiful and weird <laughs> about the champagne scavenger hunt. And it's always like, wow, that was so cool. It's even weirder that he just doesn't even like mention it. Yeah. Like he completes the scavenger hunt and then just never says anything He's to Val Kilmer done. about well, it. Do you think he was horny for Val? Oh, 100%. Well, and Val says. Like angrily jacking off in the trailer. Which I never even thought about that, which is such a like kind of 90s movie little trivia. He says that he invented like the type of crew cut he has in Top Gun. And, like, everyone was getting it then, which, like, that was a popular haircut in the 90s. Basically, like, kind of, like, super puffy but spiky on top. Yeah. And short on the sides. I'm like, did you? I mean, I think the difference between his and a typical jarhead, as we call them, it's a military term when you have, like, a buzz cut. Yeah. And as a veteran. As a veteran, <laughs> I'm familiar. But I think his is, like, higher. But it's like a flat I, top. Um, it's more of a flat top. It's a little yeah. more urban influence. Right. He's saying... Here he goes again, appropriating. Appropriating, which is so fucked up. Stuff. Prospector <laughs> stuff, and we're canceling him. Can we run through like all of his girlfriends for a moment? Wait, yeah, we need to talk about, like, okay. Because we haven't even talked about Cindy Crawford's Simple Salmon. No, her <laughs> Simple Salmon from Elle Buham. Wait, so he dates... Cher. Cher. He dates Ellen Barkin. 
who he's like is so sexy and like hilarious. And if anyone like ever gets the chance to touch Ellen Barkin's hair, do it. He's really got a thing for older women. He loves Sidney Crawford. Wait, did you see the pic of him? Yes. No. Their drip no, in Moscow. The gr- I was the Moscow dying. drip. Okay. So Cindy is in a huge black North Face, white, straight leg jeans. Then he is in dark jeans, white sweater, North Face White long sleeve sweater, big puffer, North Face puffer. He's wearing like low top, like black leather shoes. She's wearing kind of like little leather clogs and like black. She kind of looks exactly like Kaya Gerber. She's got these fun sunglasses, hair pulled up. They're in Moscow. He's wearing frameless glasses. No, I was dying at the frameless. And this is why I'm always so mad about my prescription. Because I can't do frame. Do frameless with those Coke bottles. Yeah, Yeah, has to be a. Well, okay, maybe this is your business. You figure out a way for people with like insane eyesight to be able to have (laughs) frameless glasses. Develop the technology. Like, how can that technology not exist? Well, there is. We can put a man on the moon. There is thinning technology because I get that with my normal glasses, but but that's just to get it. Doesn't thin enough. We need a Zempic for those lenses. Those Zempic lenses. <laughs> okay, so he's dating Cindy Crawford. Oh, and then also he dates Daryl Hannah. And each woman he like dates, he's like, she was light. She was love. Like I've never loved someone more. She was the most beautiful person on earth. Like she broke my heart, but I broke her heart. What's so I feel like man is I'm sure there actually was a dramatic breakup. And he's always like, I actually don't know how things ended. <laughs> <laughs> he's always like, if you had to ask me to pinpoint a moment, yeah. I don't think I could I tell you. Have no and idea. I, I, have no- I have nothing but regrets <laughs> yeah. over what happened. And the choices that were made, but I actually don't know what was. And I would do anything there. to get her back, but it's choices. Okay, this part's insane, though. It's like very, I'm kind of obsessed with. My marriage was dead, but my courtship of Cindy Crawford was alive. We met at a couple parties, we flirted, we danced, we joked, we exchanged numbers. Rather than wax rhapsodic, let me present a bullet point summary of her beguiling nature. And this is the only time in the book where there's bullet points. Cindy is America. <laughs> Cindy is a happy person who loves her family deeply. She's an original who recreated her industry, which was at times cruel and perverse, and she did it with grace and without finger pointing. Period. Like, this is so... It's also, what do you mean she did without finger pointing? I feel like he's referencing somebody else who, like, did finger point. Okay. And he's, like, subtly tearing down, I don't know, Naomi or Christy. Like, did one of them kind of, <laughs> yeah, like, Christy Trillington. Well, Christy out. Trillington and Cindy are friends. Right. Maybe not. She's a natural athlete and loves glorious things that a man just can't get enough of. She loves to cook. And so one of my favorite meals of my entire life is a simple salmon dish that after our Africa sojourn, she prepared at her Malibu beach house. This? Period. Period. Cindy simple Crawford, Crawford simple, simple salmon. salmon. <laughs> That's going in our cookbook. Okay, what do we think this it is, is? I know. I was imagining her cooking it. It's kind of like when Carrie made salmon with for big and then just like that. I honestly think it was so pepper. (laughs) (laughs) Salt. But I kind of think think miso was involved. Okay. I actually was thinking that there was an Asian element because it's like the 90s. Yeah. And so she's doing like actually actually just like soy sauce and salt and pepper. And she isn't being so lemon and olive oil. No, I think it was like soy sauce, a little bit of miso. She stirs Cindy it. Cindy Crawford kind of like hasn't heard of lemon in this way. No, little glaze. But then, Pan. then I had this thought and I was like, oh, what if it's honey mustard? No. 
You're out of your goddamn mind. You don't think that after a long sojourn in the Serengeti (laughs) with Val Kilmer, you go back to Malibu and just put a little bit of honey mustard on salmon and call it a day? Don't you think she's being more basic and is craving like sush? I guess because I feel like sugar wasn't the enemy yet. You know what I mean? This is the 90s. Yeah. Sugar was not the enemy yet. He also talks about how like Cher discovered Nobu. Oh yeah. <laughs> Wait, and how was like Nobu Matsuhisha was like the only restaurant in LA where you couldn't hear people gossiping because it was so loud and Nobu was doing was so different. So different. So I kind loud. of think like You think it's just soy sauce, be, salt and pepper. Yeah. And a little bit also or it honestly could have just been like olive oil, salt, pepper. I was just thinking obviously it's test with Africa. Oh, so he's very Prince Harry. Celebrity not call Africa the continent that changed my life challenge sharon stone prince, prince harry, harry gabriel union on that like special about turning 50 that i haven't seen <laughs> but i'm always getting ads on roku and it's her just being like africa is mother and it's just like literally rich person not go to africa and see one elephant and like be completely changed forever and val Kilmer also his version of like guy on a date going i want to take you somewhere and like taking them to like a dive bar is him being like africa yeah <laughs> When him and Cindy break up, part of it is because their lives are too demanding, especially her modeling career. She scheduled herself down to the quarter hour. She would say, okay, Brazil on Monday, France on Wednesday, and then I'll spend the weekend with you. <laughs> I'm obsessed with that. And then Brazil he was on like, Monday. <laughs> Brazil on Monday, Japan Tuesday. And he was like, do you ever just take a break? And then this is so model. I feel like his slight roast of her. He goes, and then she put her hands around her chin to think like a cartoon character. And it's like, that is so model being like, let me think, thinking pose. Kind of like, hmm. Oh, yeah. I imagine that kind of a like stroking, like thinking that's, position. It, that's very model. Just like when they're doing their weekly thinking. <laughs> yeah, they, do, like, they do a little bit of chin stroking. And then he's like, again, it ended. I actually don't know why, because like she has an amazing career. And then he's like, but she's happy now. And sure, I'm happy for her. And it's like, wow, must be sad. <laughs> okay, Carly Simon. Oh, yeah. Who he never kisses. He's like, I think she stopped talking to me because she knew I was too obsessed with her. I think she was being like, you little boy. Yeah. And then she'd play him a song. Yeah, it was like she knew she had too much like power for him. Right, it wasn't sexy to her. I mean, Carly Simon, as you know, is a homewrecker. Absolutely. And we'll talk about that in the VIP lounge, but I do have Nantucket gossip about her homewrecking. Okay. Right. Before we get to segments, just the one other thing that is completely insane is when he wants to like sell his ranch because he's like lots of money and he ended up having to pay a lot of his dad's debts. He calls up none other than Hank Paulson, former head of Goldman Sachs and Secretary of Treasury under George W. Bush. You re- may remember the infamous bailout of the crash of 2008 <laughs> that was engineered by Hank Paulson. I was just like, What? He saw what was coming. I don't want to impinge on our friendship, I told him half a year into the recession, but I need financial advice. (laughs) That's all I had to say. You're looking for a buyer for your wildlife preserve, aren't you? Asked Hank. (laughs) (laughs) Your wildlife preserve? I just like, he just doesn't explain. He's like, yeah, so I was friends with former Secretary of the Treasury. I had to call the dear friend. (laughs) <laughs> and then Hank Paulson tells him the dead serious truth that even though the ranch is worth 30 mil, take the offer for 15. You're not going to get any better. He was like, our old world is over. Take the 15 and run. Wow. Sometimes you just got to take the 15 and run. Listen Sell to Hank. House. Sell it, honey. Celebrity Book Club.
It's almost here. The NYX Anniversary Sale starts this Thursday, May 9th at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. So mark your calendar this Thursday, May 9th for the NYX anniversary sale. Get 30% off all leak-proof underwear, shapewear, activewear, and more. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Don't miss this. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The world of segments, man. How does he live? How does he eat? What does she wear? Okay, how does he live? Can I preface this by reading his description of Daryl Hannah's ranch in Telluride? (laughs) I want to remember the morning we awoke in her exquisitely refurbished barn in Telluride. Leaning against a wall was a remarkable piece of art, a long, wide plank of wood. I saw it as a daring piece of avant-garde sculpture. I had to know the name of the sculptor. Daryl laughed and said, it's just my snowboard. (laughs) 
His house, man, it's probably so epic in so many collections. It's fucking epic as hell. It's definitely boards, it's paintings, it's old coins, it's arrowheads. It's arrowheads from New Mexico, but it's pretty artiste, and I think it is like a fab mid-century house that's like pretty modern and concrete. And I well, because now he lives in the Boo. In the Boo, I think it's like a big concrete house in the Boo. I think that art is leaning. Art Art is is framed, but it is leaning. The wood is deep. He knows artists. He has a gallery now. I think that the couches are definitely like sinkable, sinkable, but with like different tapestries over them. Mm, I don't think there's tapestries on. Not, I think couch. there's like crazy throw blankets. I mean, he loves New Mexico. Okay, like, there's there there's, are blankets. There's one couch that has throw blankets, but there's other couches that don't. You know what I mean? Totally. But, but it's, <laughs> it's that mid-century like leather brown couch. Yes, we're thinking the same couch that's like Italian mid-century, where it curves over the arm of the couch. You can come back into it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. Curving leather. Yeah, where it's like a flap almost. Like the arm is like a flap that comes over. Yes. And I think it's like sculptures that jut out. Yeah, there's a plinth or two in there. I could see him. Low bed. Low, low bed with little books he's reading. Christian Science Bible or whatever. I wonder if he subscribes to the Christian Science Monitor. No. I guess he like doesn't because it's kind of too much every day. Record player, dude. He's always like. My dad didn't own vinyl, but I loved it. Vinyl, arrowheads, deep sculptural moments. And then just like beautiful photos of his children. Yeah. I think there's like a gorgeous. Okay, here's, do you think there's like a really huge blown up like black and white photo of Mercedes as a baby? Yes. Like I think it's like photos of kids as babies. But And then like smaller, really current photos of him and the kids. Yeah, hyper current photos from last week. And then week. he also said that his son collabs with Giacopola, so I think the house is packed with Giacopola's natural wine. Well, the wine. son is also an actor and was in Palo Alto, which I haven't seen. I also haven't seen that. I feel like the son has kind of like son of an actor career, where it's like he'll be in daughter of a director movies, but like maybe not in so many other things. Well, he's collabing with daughter of a director, right? Wine. Because Gia Coppola makes wine. Oh, wait, they're also making a wine? I feel like Gia Coppola sat friend of the pod, Sam, like a natural wine once. And, and she it was, was like... her wine. It wasn't being and like, she was like Coppola this is... wine. It was like Gia wine. And was it also a collab with Val Kilmer's son? I'm guessing that like he is visiting her while she's yeah, making labels. Yeah, you're, you're right. <laughs> there probably is something going on there. And he's just being like, oh, that's an awesome like label, label. for this like <laughs> Pinot Gris Grenache yeah. pet hat. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like his style has gotten a little wonka. <laughs> like like maybe, where it's tails and top hat? It's a little like big velvet coat. I feel like coat. he's always had drip. Yes. Like, like he is so GQ doing a thing being like 90s drip and it's like him and like But I can see what you mean where now it's more Brad Pitt and he's more like you're saying it's more long scarf and like leather. He feels definitely into leather. He likes leather coats because it's the West. It's the West. It's the Great American West. It's suede like shackets. It's suede blazers. Do you think his daughter is getting him like a belt from like a cool vintage store? Or Echoes even? Yeah, I feel like he's getting an Echoes sweater for Christmas. Wow. And he's like, can hardly speak, but he's like, this is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so his voice sounds, is still out? I don't know. He says he sounds like Brando now. Interesting. So I think it's like gravelly. Yeah. Huh. After the throat cancer. And that's also partly why he wrote the book, because he was like, this is my way of speaking. Right. Which is very, um, 
It's beautiful. Keith McNally, who posts on Instagram all the time because he can't speak. After right. And at first, stroke. we were like, well, why is Keith McNally going all the way off on Insta? And it's like, because he can't speak. Yeah. This is how he communicates. Or what does he eat besides the simplest salmon? I mean, I think he loves sushi, simplest salmon. I mean, he's boo vibes. Yeah. It's like, it's up. the boo. Okay. It's like macrobiotic to the boots. Yeah. But it's I'll also take like an arrow on smoothie. Dope fish. Yeah. Blackened fish tacos. For sure. Maybe he grills sometimes, but not that often. I don't think that his masculinity is so grill. I don't think he like needs to grill, you know? He like he more wants to tell stories about like around the you don't think he like fires it up and his kids are like, huh, dad's grilling and they're a little weirded that's, out. But the grill is so suburban, you know what I mean? And he he's like so surf house though? I guess that he's more surf house now, but I just think that the grill dad is a suburban archetype and he mythologizes like the West in a more rural kind of ranch style. Okay. I guess I'm thinking like once which is almost every more, three. Which is almost more indoor griddle. <laughs> you think he's indoor griddle cast iron. Yeah. And there's like such a massive hood in the kitchen. There's a huge hood. And it's like a deep cedar yeah. eco. Ooh, I kind of actually do think he's fridge drawers. For sure. And it's hidden fridge. Yeah. No hanging pots. And I think he like drinks, but it is like, a na- again, it's the he natural probably, wine. He like, doesn't drink anymore. Well, he kind of oh, says he's road. like proud that he never has been like addicted to drugs or alcohol. Right. It's kind of wild. I'm like reading this. And he's sober when he's like hanging out with all the Top Gun right. squad. That's what he's and actually. And they're all like, getting wasted. And he's like doing donuts in the street. He's but, the Britney thing. He's, he's actually crazy hyper actor guy who's not wasted. And everyone's like, you're insane. Yeah, and he's like, no, I'm just weird. I'm just (laughs) fucking weird. Who are you in the book? I don't want to be. You're not the Republican gay guy who dies at 54. Okay. (laughs) Because yeah, I don't know. That didn't totally call to me for you. I feel like. And you're not the gun-toting lesbian who (laughs) rules New Mexico with an iron fist. No, sadly not. Are you Cindy Crawford being like, I have Brazil on Monday? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the way she said that, I was being like, I'm Puerto you. Rico on Thursday. And also the simple salmon is kind of just like both of them being strained in Hollywood, not eating. Like she probably doesn't make that salmon that often. And maybe it was like, yeah, I'm making my I'm boyfriend's. I'm doing my one salmon. Yeah. I kind of Which am kind her. of you. And I am so bundling for Romney. <laughs> 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 okay. I'm Cindy Crawford. Thank you. And I... And the producer for The Doors sobbing. Yeah. At the studio being like, you sound too much like Jim, <laughs> man. <laughs> I, can't, I can't take it. Stop. It's bringing Stop. me back. <laughs> to the 60s. Because <laughs> you are from the past. No, I'm from the past. Yeah, watching The Doors movie, I was like, damn, the 60s really were a time of great change. I give this book, I would say, a solid 3.5, you know, fun yeah, I'm with you. Kind of 3.5, 3.6. Fun like, 90s films out of five. It's Dates with Cher out of five. Like, it's a real Hollywood memoir. He really is, like, insane in yeah. this Hollywood actor way. He gives a lot of tea. You get a good sense of his personality. It's like a fun romp through his films. He doesn't have too many films. You're like, oh, yeah, I, I think I understand his role. His, his contributions for, to totally culture. I totally forgot about that movie, Married at First Sight, where he goes blind and is married oh, to Mira Sorvino. Oh, with Mira Sorvino. Yeah. I 
forgot about that movie too. And yet it's really important to me because he's a masseuse in that movie. <laughs> Which just like defines her sexuality. And she's a really stressed out like New York yeah, executive. Yeah, like executive woman. And, she and he's comes so to get big a, sunglasses, shearling coat. She comes to get a massage at his like spa at <laughs> Canyon Ranch. And he starts like going in and he's like, how hard do you want it? And she's like, no, I need it. I need it like so hard. And he starts going in and she starts sobbing on the table. And so he actually, he starts going gentle and then he just stops the massage. And then later she's like, oh, like what happened? He's like, I left you asleep there. Like you went right out. (laughs) (laughs) And I just like, I'm so jealous of A, like. Sobbing on a massage Sobbing on a table, like as if it were too hard. Because honey, it's never hard (laughs) enough. Well, I guess you need Valcom or Blind to masseuse you. This movie is actually so good and insane. (laughs) And it's like four hours long. And he gets some experimental surgery to restore his sight. Right. And then like they're walking in New York and he sees like a homeless person. (laughs) And like he's like staring at the homeless person. And then Mira Sorvino's just like, we're not supposed to see everything. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. CBC Movie Club. We're all rewatching we Married we at First Sight to watch that. Yeah, but also the Saint is insanely good. Watch it, and so is the Doors. So yeah, he's he kind of an iconic actor. actor, and like, and he's choosing movies that are really fun, and he is making them more fun with his kind of deliriously camp heterosexual performances. Right, camp he- and camp heterosexuality. <laughs> And I also do want to watch like The Island of Doctor Moreau, even though it was so panned, and I'm sure it's so three hours with Marlon Brando. Yeah. Because his, his, his Mumu era. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Club Kids, thanks for welcoming us back after we never left. <laughs> <laughs> so good to see you again, and yeah. we'll see you soon. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Hey, man. This episode was executive produced by Christina Everett. It was supervisingly produced. <laughs> Can we even say that anymore? Who knows? by Abu Zafar. The producer, I mean, and this cat, she didn't even want to give me the job, but I told her, I went right into her office and I said, listen, if you don't give this to me and double my pay, I'm walking out of here. You know I'm right for it. That girl was Darby Masters. And what can I say? She's a fucking master. The theme song was done by Steve Phillips Horst. What he has done it's probably one of the only things that's ever made me cry in front of my daughter. When we originally came up with this idea, it was in New Mexico. It was on my ranch. It was right before I sold it. It was with Prologue Projects. And, you know, man, like, we butted heads a lot. But I think at the end of the day, we both saw eye to eye that nothing mattered more than the picture. I love this town. And I want you to go to patreon.com so you can see the pod and subscribe. If I forgot anyone, man, that's on me. Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. 
Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love at First Listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.